Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hey guys, this is your host, Jen, with the P40 Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast episode this morning to talk about another sacrifice from the book of Leviticus. Woo! So when I was researching all of these sacrifices, which took me a really, really long time because I had so many questions about these sacrifices, because one of the things I was having trouble with was what's the difference between all these different sacrifices that God mentioned. In all honesty, I kind of only thought there was one. I kind of believed that the only time people had to bring sacrifices was through like their sin. In other words, um, when they sinned in order to be forgiven from that sin, they'd have to bring a sacrifice. But that's not actually the case I'm finding out in Leviticus. There were sacrifices for different things. There was a sacrifice of a peace offering, which is what we're going to talk about today. There was a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And then there was the sacrificial offering, the burnt offering that we talked about uh, a few days back. So today I'm going to discuss Leviticus chapter 3, the entire thing, and I'm also going to talk about the difference between these first three sacrifices, because these first three sacrifices from Leviticus 1 to 3 are all sacrifices that were uh, voluntary, I should say. They were not mandatory sacrifices. But the next two we're going to talk about, which is the sin offering and then the guilt offering, I think, those two were mandatory sacrifices. Those are kind of the ones we picture as being, um, you know, sacrifices for the sin and the guilt and the consequences and whatever else. But I'd like to talk about these first three sacrifices today. But for now, I'm going to read Leviticus chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, which is the entire chapter. And I'm going to read this at the W.E.B. version today. If his offering is a sacrifice of peace offerings, he shall offer it from the herd. Whether male or female, he shall offer it without defect before Yahweh. He shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it at the door of the tent of meeting. Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood around on the altar, and he shall offer of the sacrifice of peace offerings an offering made by fire to Yahweh, the fat that covers the innards, and all the fat that is on the innards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the loins, and the cover on the liver, with the kidneys he shall take away. Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar on the burnt offering, which is on the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. If his offering for sacrifice of peace offerings to Yahweh is from the flock, either male or female, he shall offer it without defect. If he offers a lamb for his offering, then he shall offer it before Yahweh, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it before the tent of meeting. Aaron's sons shall sprinkle its blood around on the altar, and he shall offer from the sacrifice of peace offerings an offering made by fire to Yahweh. Its fat, the entire tail fat, he shall take away close to the backbone, and the fat that covers the entrails, and the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the loins, and the cover on the liver, with the kidneys he shall take away. 
The priest shall burn it on the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire to Yahweh. If his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before Yahweh. He shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tent of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood around on the altar. He shall offer from it as his offering, an offering made by fire to Yahweh, the fat that covers the innards and the fat that is on the innards and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, which is by the loins and the cover on the liver with the kidneys he shall take away. The priest shall burn them on the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a pleasant aroma. All the fat is Yahweh's. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwellings that you shall neither eat fat nor blood. <clears throat> My biggest question I had today was what the heck is the difference between the peace offering and the sacrificial burnt offering we talked about in Leviticus chapter one? And I was just like, well, what's the difference? Why would somebody bring a peace offering and not a burnt offering? And I just don't understand. So I did a lot of research today, a lot of research. This took me probably a handful of hours to talk about this today so that I can really help you guys understand and help myself understand what is going on here in Leviticus 1 through 3. So the first chapter of Leviticus talks about the voluntary burnt offering. And when I researched this a little bit deep, deeper today, there were some people that were like, no, this was a mandatory offering. And other people were like, no, this was a voluntary offering, the burnt offering. But I have come to the conclusion that this is a voluntary offering based on what the Bible has to say about uh, the person having the willingness to bring it. So in my opinion, that sounds to me like the first offering, which is the complete burnt offering, was a voluntary sacrifice that a person could bring. This was a sacrifice that was completely burned. The entire animal would not be eaten. The entire animal would be literally an offering made to God. And one other thing I found out was the difference between offering and sacrifice. An offering was a free will thing that we did to please God. That's why the churches to this day still call it taking an offering because we don't have to put money in the offering plate, but it's an offering. It's something that we are offering to God out of our own free will because we love God or because we're thankful or for whatever reason. It's an offering. And that's what the first sacrificial burnt offering was, a complete offering. This was when you had plenty. And uh, God even talks about three different kinds of animals you could bring for that. It would either be the best of the oxen that you had, and it had to be a male as well, or it could be the best of the sheep or goats that you had, also once again a male, and then the best of pigeons that you had, and this would be more for, for like the poor people that didn't have oxen or sheep or goats or whatever else. So they could bring pigeons and do this as a complete burnt offering. So at this point, the people would bring these offerings and this would be, this would be a hard thing, you know, because <laughs> ox and sheep and goats, especially the best of the best, because these animals had to have no flaws whatsoever. They had to be literally perfect. And I was reading something, I don't know if this is completely accurate or not, but I was reading something today that said that the priests would actually check the animal inside and out to make sure that it had literally no defect. But actually, now that I'm saying it, it makes a lot of sense because this animal that these people were bringing as a voluntary burnt sacrifice literally had to be 
pretty much perfect. It could not have any skin diseases. It could not have any broken legs or any blind eyeballs or anything like that. And the insides had to be good too. There couldn't be any uh, issues on the inside of the animal either. This had to be literally a perfect gift that the person was bringing to God out of his own free will. And the purpose of this sacrifice is not only to show complete dedication to God and love for God, because that's the first and greatest commandment, don't forget, is to love God above everything else. And so this this sacrifice was to show a complete commitment to God, that you weren't going to eat part of this animal, you weren't going to, uh, you know, give it away or and only give part of it to God. No, this entire thing had to go to God and it had to come from your own bounty of animals. So this today would be similar to like giving God, I don't even know, something expensive, just fully giving something out of your own abundance to God or to the church or something as a free will offering that you choose to give. And it's kind of funny because yesterday we actually talked about the woman who gave the alabaster jar of ointment to Jesus. So it's kind of funny that these two things are lining up so well between the Old Testament and the New Testament, just a free will offering. Because you remember in Mark, that woman, Mary, brought Jesus the alabaster jar of, of perfume that was worth a year's wages. That would be similar to what these people in Leviticus chapter 1 were doing, was bringing from their own bounty to completely, fully, 100% give a gift to God. So that was the purpose of the burnt offering in Leviticus chapter 1. Symbolically, though, the burnt offering in Leviticus 1 is similar to what Jesus' sacrifice was on the cross. Firstly, he was completely perfect. He had no sin whatsoever, and he was a son. He was God's son, showing almost the symbolism of the male animals being similar to Jesus. You know, they had to be perfect. They had to be male. They had to be without blemish, and that was everything that Jesus was for us. So then the second sacrifice that we talk about is the Thanksgiving sacrifice of the uh, grain offering. We found that in Leviticus 2, and I I went more into depth on that in Leviticus 2. But that was also a free will offering. And even the poorest of the poor people could bring a grain offering to God. And this was out of their own bounty once again. And this would be an offering of thanksgiving. But it wasn't necessarily an offering of complete uh, dedication to God like the burnt offering was. Because remember, the burnt offering of the animals, that was something that was fully given to God out of your bounty. But the grain offering, you could bring as much as you wanted or as little as you wanted, depending on how much income you had. And you could bring that as thanksgiving to God, but only part of that offering was burned on the altar. So part of the grain offering would be given to God as a memorial, it says. It would be burned completely on the altar and then the rest of the grain would be given to Aaron and the sons as their portion of the grain offering. And uh, this was done so that the priests could constantly be fed, that they would be taken care of, because we'll find out later on that the Levite clan, which ended up being the priests, didn't actually have an inheritance of land. 
they kind of lived everywhere and uh, they were fully supported by the people to do and to continue their priestly duties. This was part of what the grain offering was. It wasn't fully for God. It was also for the priests and for their work that they were doing as well. So I kind of consider this almost like a tithe nowadays to the church. You know, we give our money to the church and a lot of that is given to missionaries and it's given to uh, the maintenance of the building, but it's also given to the church staff and the pastor, which is kind of similar to what the grain offering was done for back in Leviticus chapter two. But that would be a thanksgiving offering that a person could bring when they were thankful to God and thankful for the bounty that uh, God gave them. Now, the grain offering also did have a mandatory aspect to it, which we'll talk more about that later. But the mandatory aspect was only during I think once or twice a year, which was the first fruits. It was called the first fruits offering when people had to give the first of what they grew in their uh, farms. The first of that and the best of the first had to go to God. And that was mandatory. But that was only, I think, like once or twice a year that people had to do that, I believe. But we'll talk about that later. Now, this, what we talked about today, is the peace offering. And the peace offering, as we see here, only part of the animals are burned. The peace offering was once again completely voluntary. Nobody had to give the peace offering if they didn't want to. But the peace offering was symbolizing peace with God. And I mean, there's so, so much symbolism that we can take from the peace offering. I mean, if you look at it, only the inside of the animals were burned. The rest of the meat could go back to the person who brought the animal. And at this point, those people could have a feast with the rest of the meat of the animal with their, uh, with their family members. The people bringing the peace offering could bring it to show that they basically had a peace with God. It was an offering to continue to have this peace with God. And like I said, with the inner parts of the animal, you know, peace comes from within inside. <laughs> so when the insides of the animal was burned, it's almost like a symbolic kind of gesture that peace comes from within inside and God would give these people peace. And it actually says that the peace offering was a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. And same thing with this peace offering, the animals would be brought and the man who brought them would have to put his sin on this animal by laying his hand on the animal and then by um, slitting the animal's throat. So it was a very humane way to kill these animals. And it was also, I wouldn't say identifying with the animal, kind of. Actually, let me switch to the AMP version. They were really, really cool. It says um, in verse 2 of Leviticus 3, he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering transferring symbolically his guilt to the sacrifice and kill it at the door of the tent of meeting. And then the blood would be sprinkled on and around the altar. So this animal had to be without blemish. Once again, it could be either male or female. It didn't matter, but it just had to be a very good, practically perfect, if not perfect animal that uh, the people were bringing to offer as a peace offering to God. And this this peace offering kind of symbolized like fellowship with God. Part of the meat could get taken home. I often think of sharing a meal with per a person as 
a very peaceful event. I am extremely food motivated. I talk about food too much on the podcast. So food kind of speaks to my soul a little bit. (laughs) And my husband jokes with me all the time about how much I love food. But You know, food is a very peaceful kind of thing. And we often see in the Bible, uh, you know, different clans and different tribes were making like peace between each other. A meal would be shared. You know, symbolically, food has a lot to do with like inner peace in my mind. At least it it really makes sense to me (laughs) because of how food motivated I am and how much I love eating a good meal with people. Yeah, so... The part of the meat would get taken home and it would be shared amongst the family members. They'd have a big, nice, peaceful party, I imagine. And I believe also part of the meat would go to the um, to the priests as well. I, I believe historically the priest would get the breast of the animal and then the other the family could take the rest of the animal home and cook it up and eat it. So that was the point of the peace offering was to literally just show that these people had peace with God. And this would be a sacrifice that God appreciated. And his peace would come down on this person when this offering was made. So this was not a fully sacrificial offering like the burnt offering was, you know, because part of this animal was getting taken home. But this was an offering to make peace with God and enjoy peace with God. So that is kind of the difference between the different uh, offerings, the different non-mandatory offerings that we see in the first few chapters of Leviticus. But I'd like to go a little bit more into Leviticus chapter 3, which is what we discussed today about the peace offerings, and discuss the fat. We hear the word fat a lot in this chapter. So in these days, in ancient culture, fat was considered the best of the best of the animal. The fat was where the en- the animal stored its energy, and that's what the people wanted to eat. But <laughs> the fat also produced a lot of different kind of worms, like tapeworms and whatever else that would make the people sick sometimes if they ate the fat. So God says at the very end of this chapter that the fat belongs to him because it was considered the best part of the animal the most delicious part. And actually, there's there's one animal, I believe the lamb, that the fat tail on the lamb was apparently considered like a filet mignon back in these days, in ancient days. People loved the tail of the lamb, and it was extra fatty as compared to nowadays, I learned. So people loved the tail, wanted to eat the tail, but God says, That tail, when you offer the peace offering, that belongs to me as well. Because it was a very fatty portion. And once again, fat being consumed back in these days could have not wanted effects and make people very sick. So the fat had to be offered to God as well as the insides of the animal. Some of the stuff that wasn't as healthy to eat. Because... Who knows how it was prepared back in those days. But all that stuff belonged to God. The liver, the kidneys, the fat that's all over the entrails, which I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I don't know what entrails means. (laughs) I'm going to guess it just means like all the stomachy stuff. I'm just going to say that. But if I'm wrong, please forgive me. But anyway, the fat and the insides went to God. So then it says here at the very end 
In verse 17, God says to Moses, it is a permanent statute for your generations, wherever you may be, that you shall not eat any fat or any blood. (laughs) When I was looking this up, I'm like, how can people truly not eat any fat whatsoever or any blood whatsoever? Because no matter how well you drain that animal or how much fat you remove from that animal, you're still going to be consuming some fat and you're still going to be consuming a small portion of blood. But that's kind of the point. You know, those two things can never fully be removed from the animal. And the the point is to remove as much of it as you can, but yet some of it will still be within the animal. And I feel like that kind of symbolizes humanity and the sin that is within humanity. You know, uh, if the fat represents sin and the blood represents sin as well, symbolically, then those two things can never truly be fully removed because we still live in the sin nature. We might be able to remove it as best as we possibly can, but we still have to remember that we live within that sin nature and we always need forgiveness because it's never quite going to be removed. We might sin all over again. We might uh, fall back to our own patterns and our own bad habits. And at that point, we once again have to try to remove as much as that as we can and ask for forgiveness from that. But I believe what God is saying here is that do your best to remove the fat and the blood so that you do not consume large quantities of it. Drain the animal and get rid of the fat. The fat belongs to God. And I believe that's actually what it says here. Where does it say that? Uh, It says, yep, all the fat is the Lord's in verse 16. So the fat belongs to God. So that's kind of the premise of Leviticus chapter 3 and what the uh, burnt offerings all meant, the different burnt offerings that we talked about. Now, moving into Leviticus 4 and 5, we're going to talk about the next two burnt offerings, but these ones were more mandatory. So join me on Friday to talk about Leviticus chapter 4, which is the beginning of the sin offering. And we'll discuss that in more detail then. But friends and faithful listeners, subscribe to the uh, P40 Ministries YouTube channel. I'm going to be trying to build that up in the next couple weeks or so. I want to do a giveaway very soon here. I've been promising you guys that for a few weeks now, so I'm actually going to start thinking about what to do for that. And I I want it to include the YouTube channel, so definitely uh, go to the link I provide in the show notes of this podcast episode and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Friends and faithful listeners, thanks for tuning in. Happy listening. And God bless.